Welcome to the Harlem Art Space podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Litherland. Harlem Art Space is an exhibition, event, and studio space based in the historic, Arkwright built Harlem Mill in Worksworth, Derbyshire, England. These podcasts are a means to present our in conversation public events to a wider audience. These podcasts are supported by the Arts Council England and the Contemporary Visual Arts Network for the East Midlands. For more information about Harlem Art Space, please visit www.harlemartspace.co.uk. just been listening to a field recording of Worksworth's Tuesday Market by Zach Holt and James Waring from Little Canyon Printworks. Today's podcast is about Worksworth, particularly one man's personal odyssey to discover about his past and reconnect with the idea of home. Worksworth is a small market town on the edge of the Peak District in Derbyshire, England. It is steeped in history and is home to many interesting and talented individuals who together form a quite extraordinary community. So before we listen to the interview with photographer Chris Brooks about the Brooks Press of Worksworth, I want to draw attention to this podcast's music provided by South Phaser, which is the ambient electronica moniker of Richard Samuels Moore, a Worksworthian. South Facer has performed a number of times at Harlem Art Space and we're delighted to include an old track, the one you can hear now, which is titled No Play, and a new one at the end of this podcast.
And I've been, um, so I had a chat with George Miles uh, last weekend and we've got his podcast mm. coming up soon. And I've, was, I've been walking around uh, taking photographs and I've just been thinking about you two, about taking photographs um, around here and, and, and the way that you do it. And one of the things that came up in that chat with him and it's something that you say, and you said it just now, is not taking photographs, but making photographs. And okay, um, yeah. I really I really like that. And I just wanted to start this just by asking you, what's your, what do you mean by that kind of, that little shift of language? Mm. Make a photograph um, rather than take a photograph. Mm. I mean, I don't know how it works for, for George. For me, um, the, the approach is... It's making a photograph, I guess, because um, the way the type of, well, the type of camera that I use, I would normally use large format, like uh, 10 by 8 or 5 by 4. Um, partially because, I started doing that partially because um, I was very into American art photography when I was a student, and so, and that was... That was that was kind of how those things were done, um, but also what happens with me is my brain works at a very strange rate where sometimes it, it, I feel it's necessary to be able to walk away from the camera and come back to it. And nothing's changed, you know. Sure. Um, so, so that camera uh, still it's on a tripod, isn't it? It's, so it's just on a tripod, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's there. So it, it, it's almost like the way that I see it is that to you take a photograph, you have a camera in your hand, you're walking around, you can take a photograph. Sure. But it, it's more like you set something up, you wait mm. for the light, um, the, the, you're using sheets of film. So um, you probably, you know, you don't want to end up taking too many, um, partly because of the cost, um, partly because you sort of don't really need to, because it's not that you're going to change anything. Sure. So you have it set up. Um, and then when you're ready, you make a photograph. And on and when I start making the, the works with work, uh, I did it all really on, on four by five. And then throughout the, I mean, it took me a long time to make that work, almost a decade. So um, the price of film just went up and up and up. And then about halfway through, I decided I want to start working on on the 10 by 8, which is, um, is, is sort of silly. But the thing that I found with that was the process became more interesting um, for me because sometimes I would set it up and I, I wouldn't even, I would wait two hours and I still wouldn't take a picture and I would just pack the camera away and leave. And I was fine for the way that I operate. It's more valuable to not take the photograph than to take the photograph. If you Amazing. see what I mean. It's so you, you're doing the editing beforehand then that's like kind of feels like what you're saying to a certain extent. You're not just yeah. taking loads, you know, you're not just taking loads of, even if, even with 35 mil, but now digitally you can take a hundred photos and choose one. <laughs> Exactly. In essence, just I mean, doing yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah. I think I'm a, I'm I'm an overthinker. So what I'll do is I'll see something which obviously I'll respond to, which will be on a visual level. Um, and then uh, what I'll do is I'll set something up, and then I'll start this, all these decisions which are running through my head, like I'm kind of going through. It's like different levels of you know. I'll be questioning, okay, is it this? Does it do this? What does it do? You know, so there's all these, all these reasons. And then sometimes I'll think, okay, this is not necessary. I've already got this. I've already, you know, I already have, uh, I've already told this story somewhere else. Yeah. You know, whilst yeah. I'm doing it. I mean, you're drawn to certain things. You don't want to keep taking the same picture over and over again. Sure, so, sure. Um, so, but yeah, it's almost like, like you say, you're kind of editing as you go in real life, as you go yeah. along. Yeah, fascinating. So yeah, so we're talking about your book, um, the Brooks, uh, the Brooks Press of Worksworth, and we were lucky to meet in the summer when you um, kind of showcased it at the Worksworth Festival in 2019, and then we re restaged the work with a bit more archival material at Harlem um, just earlier this year. And so I just, I just wanted to ask for people who don't know anything about the Brooks Press of Worksworth. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the history of it? 
Mm, of course. Um, so the the book uh, began around, so or started to make the work, began around 10 years ago. And the book is currently a book. Um, uh, and the, I started making it about 10 years ago. Uh, it all started, um, I guess the story starts way, way back when I was a teenager, um, I left the Midlands was when I got to about 15, my father died. Uh, so it was quite a painful time. And then, um, I had a few other things going on at the time as well, which basically at that point I'd left school, I'd started doing college. Uh, and it, 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 you kind of get to that time where you're maybe going to go off to university or whatever. And it, it became, um, there was the Midlands wasn't a happy place for me, so it was a, it was a good time to go. So I I actually went and studied up north, but yeah. um, and then not long after that, my my mother disappeared. So she kind of took um, took leave um, and didn't really tell anyone where she went. So it was it was suddenly it was one of those things where in my head it was fine. I I studied and then I ended up moving to London to work as an assistant for a photo assistant. And um, the it was it was almost like you know you have in your head you have this idea of home, like what it is, and really I guess it, it, what it boiled down to me was that it was if everything goes wrong or yeah. if you you need somewhere you know that place to go didn't exist for me anymore. So so which was kind of liberating I, you know, I was living in London I was in my 20s I was probably having a great time like I started to figure out work and do all these things and making photographs um so um for me it wasn't it, it wasn't really a problem and then when I kind of got into my 30s it started I started to think you know you start to think about you know your context like where you're from you know and so and it suddenly sort of felt a little bit like I was something was missing for me and then uh, around that time weirdly I was uh, given these two books that somebody had found in a bookstore in Cromford called Scarthin Books which you all know yeah um, yeah yeah and uh, bought these two books, gave them to me, and there were there were these books that were made in the early 1900s by my great grandfather, uh, by a, by a company called the Brooks Press of Worksworth, which was um, a private press uh, working doing jobs for people, but then also um, making and publishing of books as well uh, since the late 1800s. Um, now I remember when I was a kid, just before my father died, I remember you know I knew he was a printer. Um, my father was basically the last one ultimately to work at the Brooks Press. Uh, and he was the one that closed it down just before I was born. Okay, so it was before you were born that it was closed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was, there was just wasn't enough work, you know, people just didn't need a local printer anymore. So, so that was closed. So it, it was also something that I don't think he really wanted to go into that into the family business in the first place. So it wasn't really anything that was particularly discussed. So in in a way, the idea of the printing press and the idea of this family business, it, it wasn't something that I really thought about, wasn't something that was really talked about at home. Yeah. Um, and particularly after he died, I didn't really think about it. And then these books turned up and they were incredible. So you had these really beautiful books, handmade, paper handmade, um, you know, everything's typeset. Uh, it's all, you know, I mean, it's how, how the stuff was printed was how stuff was printed, but as now is considered letterpress because we have like mechanized, you know, sure. sort of computerized printing now. Back then it was just, that was the thing, wasn't it? It was, that's the medium. That's, that's what they had. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But these, these books are incredible, are all made to arts and crafts, rules, principles. So all the pages were still... Um, everything was very simple. The book, it was just handmade. It was board covered in handmade paper with a really simple uh, label, probably the opposite of, of any sort of more sort of commercial sort of printing at the time. And, um, and all the pages were left sort of put together. So you kind of you had to break the pages literally to get in. And was, I thought it was, they were incredible. So um, in a way that happened at the same time as me thinking, well, Maybe I should go back to the Midlands and just try and figure out what all that was about. Um, so those two things together, I decided to come to work so with a town I didn't really particularly know so well. So I grew up in a town close by, Belper, and then I started making pictures initially of 
things related to the press. Um, so I would, for example, I put a couple of adverts in a local paper. There was an article uh, in the in the Derby Telegraph, um, and uh, I, I, you know, I came to see people, and then I would ask around, and you would hear things, and somebody would then give me a call and say, "Oh, we found this weird book in my attic. Can you, do you want to come and have a look?" So I'd then go and make a picture of of them I'd make a picture of the book and then from there it became about me being in that space so for but you started to connect though in a way with with the community with um, yeah with the people in the town because there's a lot of well, it, pictures of people in the town in the book as well yeah I mean it's funny the way it worked because the there is indeed and it, it was in a way it wasn't really it wasn't Initially, that wasn't, it was like the hard thing to do was just to go straight in and start sort of, you know, speaking to people. It was more that I would come back when there was something to photograph and then mm. I would wander around. And then I, after a few times of doing that, people started to remember. I mean, the camera I use is like a weird old bellows camera, right? So, yeah. So people well, like, there's that weird guy with the massive weird old fashioned camera. <laughs> What's he doing again? Yeah. You, thought you stand out, don't you? You're not very conspicuous. Man. Yeah. Going yeah. under a clock. Uh, so, um, yeah. So then it, it sort of happened sort of gradually uh and and also it was almost like when i would come back i didn't really want to be part of the community i didn't want to connect with anybody because coming back was actually very painful so it wasn't mm. something that i re it was i would it was a great idea and then i would get there and then i would force myself to stay in the town so i'd stay above the pub or i'd stay in one of the many places you can stay in Wordsworth. and um and uh, I, I would hate it. Like, I would really hate it. And then I, I would then, you know, I'd then start to see people, the same people and I would go and have a, you know, a cup of tea in, um, you know, like there's a, there's a lady, June Buxton, who I know you know, who's been in works of, you know, for years and so has her family. And, you know, I'd go and have a cup of tea with her in her garden in the summer or, you know, I would see, go to the pub afterwards and I would see the same people. So then you start to kind of connect with it and it, and it becomes a little bit sort of less painful to be there and, and you start to own it for yourself. So this whole process was trying to sort of figure out what home was in this place, which wasn't really my home. And then, uh, you know, the idea was to try and sort of, work out where I was from but yeah. the way I sort of connected with it was changed over that time you know so, so this is a really like every time well not when I'm speaking to you now but every time I we've talked about this which has been a few times now it's um yeah there's a lot of it's really deeply personal to you this this kind of whole kind of project and the fact that you say it's it's kind of been a 10-year thing um, and I presume, you know, that but between your early 30s and then 10 years, a lot, a lot of things change, don't they, for anyone, whether okay. they're, they're, whether they're kind of doing a kind of uh, trying to revisit or reconnect with their roots. But a lot of things um, happen in that time. And um, yeah, I was just, I was just, I mean, that, that's the thing that, looking at the book um you can tell it's someone has invested that kind of love and attention to it but it's mm. also got this universality to it which it's that's the thing that has really um that i'm really taken by i know it's this mm. personal kind of odyssey but somehow amongst all that kind of micro detail there's this macro stuff that starts to come out um, mm. and it's maybe it's to do with, you know, the presence of the landscape. It's to do with, um, this, you know, it's a very total view of an area of a town that you've kind of captured. How, mm. how aware were you maybe of this, of the shift between the personal and the universal, um, in this process? Was that something that only came together in the editing or was that something that, um, was there kind of halfway through this time? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, it, it's, it's sort of fascinating because um, we, I mean, we've spoken about this a couple of times now, obviously, when you and I came and did the show in the summer. Um, but it wasn't something that totally struck me until 
because the, the thing is as well, I'm, I'm investing in each picture in terms of every time I do it, in terms, I'm thinking a lot about how this fits into what I've been doing before. Because when you go, when you come back and forth to a place so many times, what you have is you have a situation where you're, you know, I, for example, I would come back and I would make the same photograph over and over again. Um, so all the way through different seasons. So, and then, so you're seeing the same things over and over again. Um, and the idea is, is you're, you're connecting, I guess, to those things um, as you sort of go along. Um, actually, sorry, Jeff, one second. Can we pause that a second? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, how did I realize that it was universal, right? When did I realize it? Yeah, was it late on or was it, were you starting to become aware of that? Um, you know, for example, there was a lot, there's a lot more of the, uh, what I'd call kind of these very uh, picturesque kind of epic shots of the landscape that feel that have this kind of universality to it that kind of look back to maybe uh, 18th century paintings and landscape paintings that are mm. that often you know that kind of um, uh, puncture some of the more intimate the more intimate details in the in the work. Mm. Yeah, I would say that. Um... I started to realize this, I guess, you know, it was one of those things where I, I'd come back and I would make a series of photographs and I'd go away and I'd come back and I'd, I'd make different photographs, but then I'd go visit some of those same places and make those sort of similar photographs. So you start to see things differently, different throughout different seasons and you're sort of putting these things together. The, the, well, a lot of the time when I first came, I was making pictures of things which were objects which were potentially quite personal to me because they were made by family members, but there were things that I was seeing for the very first time. Uh, and th these things were things which, you know, they're, they're other people's objects. I mean, I couldn't lay claim to any of these things and I would photograph the people at the same time. And, but none of these people I was really particularly connected to. So then the second sort of, I guess the second sort of phase of the project would be I would come and I would start to respond to kind of emotions. And then I, I was opening myself a little bit more to, to being, to being, I guess, accepting what was happening in the town um, and to feel, I don't know, what was sort of happening at the, in the town at that time. And I think a town such as Worksworth, and also bearing in mind, 10 years, there was all kinds of stuff going on, like Brexit was happening, you know, Loads you saw the entirety of that changed, process. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and so the more people that I would see, I would start to kind of connect with those people, and you would ha be having conversations about these things. I'd be, you know, being in England at that time with all those things going on, you couldn't really help but respond to some of those things. So it was, it felt in a way, and I would come to the town, I'd make these pictures, I would stay in the town, really kind of invest time in, in being there. And then I'll go away again. I would work either in the South or I work a lot abroad. So I'd move around a lot and I'd come back. So in a way, it felt like you were, the town was like a microcosm of any town in England at that yeah, time. You know, sure. it was almost like, sure. and these things were subtly starting to find themselves whenever I would, so I'd come to the town, I'd come back, I, I would process all the film, I would scan it, and then I would start to kind of make working prints. So you would see some of these things filter in. So it was either something which was, I don't know, it felt like it was, it was something that I was seeing in other places, like the places I would stop and eat or something to say, for example, when I was on the way there, or I would, you know, I, I have a sister who's in the middle, so I'd go visit her, so we'd have conversations about these things. And I think a lot of stuff was filtering in. Um, and then I would then go away again, I would go to a different, maybe go to a different country. And you see these sort of ideas um, everywhere. And when you're thinking about for example, what is home, that in itself is a universal question. Like everybody, mm. that is a question that any yeah. human can ask themselves, you know? So all these things started to, to feature. And then when it came down to making the edit, which was, you know, sort of about sort of, a, I started editing about a sort of a year ago, a bit more, maybe a year and a half ago. And, uh, and, 
those things then also would, you know, Brexit was coming to, you know, like it was, there was going to be some kind of conclusion, perhaps. Um, But the vote had happened, had it, when you started, after you started editing, that kind of decision had been kind of, yeah. 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 So, and so all these things starting to, you were starting to put these things together and it, it couldn't, you know, you couldn't help that some of that filtering in and, and as I say, this sort of process of sort of dipping in and out of this place, you had time. If you live in a town, you're not recognizing these things. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'd moved to a big city and I would probably go travel to other cities. So it, it, then you kind of come back and you, you can see things straight away that perhaps you're not seeing if you spend well, you know, every waking minute in one sure. of those towns. Sure. And so a few of these things would become apparent when I should be driving around or walking around. You would see things that would jump out and there were probably things that, you know, you were recognizing because you had all this information in your head um, and you were seeing it fresh every single time. So that was what was quite nice. And uh, in a way, going back to visit similar places every time I would come back. So I'd go make that same picture over and over again. In a way... That was the thing that kind of brought me into the town, that settled me into that, that it almost maybe, you know, start to level out all these ideas that I was having about it so that I could then make a, a range of pictures. And then in the edit, you know, these things, as I say, I mean, I guess these things come together a bit in the edit and that you also want it to be understood in different places. Like um, I remember talking to you, before about I showed no I was speaking to somebody about the book and I I think I sent them a version of it I think it was a guy in a bookstore in in New York and we were talking about it and he'd said to me um he said does does this place exist or is it made up <laughs> no. and, uh, and and in a way I felt that was brilliant because I thought brilliant does it need to be? And there's a lot of fantasy in the pictures. You know, there's a lot of me imagining. There's a lot of things which are, I'm sort of reading into a, a sort of a reality and things. I think stories I'm trying to tell oh, you know, in slight, yeah. sort of maybe abstract ways. And so what's quite nice is to imagine that this place didn't, doesn't really exist or does it exist. In a way, it doesn't matter because, as you say, the message in there is, is universal. So. Okay, yeah, it's also that philosophical thing is how uh, that philosophical idea of how do you actually capture anything? You know, how do you even get to the essence of anything? How do you grasp something in its all and it's like entirety? And yeah. the 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 really lovely things. So I've got the book in front of me, and every time you dip in, you just kind of the the editing of it is so particular. It's this real real journey. Um, I find it. I find it beautiful, but I find it quite like oh, maybe not sad or maybe morose, but just there's an edge of melancholy. That's the word. There's a kind of nostalgia and melancholy to it. And maybe that is because it's been made over such a long period of time that it kind of has that. And it you know, kind of feels like it's been uh, frozen in time, particularly when you get to a page, looking at page 48, 49, where you... You, what you've done, which is really beautiful, you've you've got hold of some of the um, are they etchings? What would they be? Some of the original etchings from some of the books? Would that be the oh, yes. process? And yeah, you've kind exactly. of you've um, you've recreated, you've reprinted them, and you do a beautiful mm. thing. And it's subtle. It's not you know where you have the etching, and then you have a photograph of a, of that similar location or similar area, and you've got mm. the, you know the early twentieth century. Um, yeah, you know, but would these be before or after the First World War, some of these etchings, some of the images in these in the original book? Yeah, um, these would be before. Um, before, I mean, right. The, yeah. So. I mean, there's such a quality to them and such a, like, you know, if you if you think of the, the crazy uh, Britain that the Brexiteers kind of um, pan and try and sell this kind of pre-First World War pastoral kind of beautiful thing. Those little illustrations are kind of are kind of it to a certain extent. Um, yeah. And then the, the rest of it, yeah, I, I did I did I did think of Brexit. I did think of of a reality of Britain rather than the fabricated one that has been kind of um, banded about a lot. So there mm. is a yeah, there's a truth. There's a truth in it. And it's um it's really beautiful. And I think mm. I think what you've done is um 
is really amazing. And, and it's the whole thing. The, you know, the book is beautifully bound. Um, the reproductions of the photographs are great. You've obviously put a lot of uh, time and love into it. Mm. And but yeah, yeah but it's um, it's those it's those edits, those edits between a page. And there's some pages where you've just got one image and then a blank page next to it. There's other pages where there's two images side by side. And it's those decisions that um I don't know, they kind of read they're quite kind of cinematic in a in a strange way. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean it's funny because I remember yeah, I mean, it, it, there was, a, I think we did 18 different versions of the book for, <laughs> I think, the designer and I, which is, I don't know if that's normal or not. I mean, this it probably is, is. it's bonkers though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, probably, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know some people where they're not, that's not how they were. I mean, as I say, I'm an overthinker, so it will tend to go through my mind and then I'll think it's great and then I'll, I'll go back into it. And I was given the, the designer, <laughs> I was giving the designer a headache because I kept having bonkers ideas and because I've never made a book before, he would, he would have to explain to me that something wasn't going to work. You can't do that. <laughs> you just can't do that. Like at one point, I wanted to have this idea. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a practical guy too, so I'm kind of imagining that something might not, well, operate so well. Um, I also, you know, you look at, you know, we, we understand sort of to a, you know, a certain extent what a book is supposed to work like, but I was going, oh, maybe we can have two covers on it. So it has this like this out, this outside cover, which is completely blank. Yeah. And then, cause I really like this idea the way that I found the book is basically my journey. And then in between, are um you know is pieces of ephemera which we've then scanned and made plates of and yeah, and yeah. let press um, which in some way help with that story or throw you off in a slightly different direction uh, for example at the start of the book a lot of the the documentary evidence and then also the letterpress the ephemera is made to confuse along with the photography and then you sort of start to realize a little bit about more about the town the people start to appear so it's it's kind of the whole point is it's supposed to it's supposed to uh you know mimic the journey in a way well that first shot Um, of the black of i think is that outside my house uh no that it's that's actually no, it, that one is, yeah. Go on, sorry, looks Karen. like it. Yeah, that's just, that's your, your yeah. classic if on a winter's night a traveller type thing, isn't it? It's that yeah. kind of invitation to like, right, yeah. this, is, this is a journey you're going to go on. Yeah, this is it. I mean, this was actually one of the first images I took. I got there. I was hanging out on North End a lot because North, North End, End yeah. yeah, is is basically where the press was. And I arrived there at night. I went straight out with the camera at night and I made that photograph, which is basically that is the street which runs down the side of the cemetery. And the cemetery is where my great grandfather's buried, who was the one who was who started the press. Um, But I mean, how, how those sort of things, you know, these images, you know, they start off quite spare. And, and the whole idea is, is you have, you know, this, this is journey of discovery. So you start with this tiny little one light in darkness and then everything gets a little bit brighter and a little bit more optimistic at the end of the book. But I was, I remember speaking to the designer, I really like this idea of you discovering this stuff. Like I was imagining, you know, the, you know, the genesis of this project is this book. There were two books in this kind of dusty bookshop. And so my idea was to have a cover which is completely blank and you open it up and then there's a cover which has details about the book in it. So, you know, it's like two covers. And straight away, the designer was like, yeah, I kind of see what you're doing there, but do you think anyone's (laughs) going to buy a totally blank book? (laughs) There is a point to this in that also you would like people to be able to buy the book from a shop and then take it home and look at it. So unless you're making a book for yourself, he's like, maybe put some things on it, <laughs> like a title. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, the process of bookmaking was, was new to me, but it, it became so fascinating. The whole point, the reason why we did that was because, you know what, it, we should make the book and 
self-publish it in this way because then I can use the Brooks Press again to publish this book, which ultimately means that this book... Oh, yes. Yeah. First book from the Brooks Press in like 90 so you've, years. So in essence, you're taking on the family business, which is crazy, right? Yeah, because also <laughs> that feeds that story that the, it, was ne- it was never supposed to take it on. Yeah. Uh, it was something my father closed... And then he, you know, he died. And then randomly, I ended. And I didn't even think about this until after I decided I was going to do it. Was of course, it's me picking up the family business as if nothing had happened. You know what I mean? I mean, if it had carried on, maybe I would have ended up in this family business anyway. Which is a huge thing when you think about it. Anyway, in the way that you sort of, you know, you you end up things find you. You know, or in the same way that I guess you get to a certain age and you start doing things like your parents as well. Yeah. Sort of, or you start to turn into life. them or some you know on a kind of cycle yeah but this you said something you've not you never had a experience in doing books but what you've done in here you've taken so many cues from from the books you know from the actual brooks press that it kind of feels like there's this quite um uh sophisticated language in in that i'm just thinking of and you had a really nice story of, you know, where there's a lot of instances where something's been printed and then it's been crossed out and that yes. cropped and you use that and you're playful with that. Can you just talk a little bit about that as a, originally how that would have been uh, used by your, by your grandfather? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So the, um, the strike throughs on the text, the that came yeah. about, yeah, this, that came about because, um, well, firstly, I guess I'll just rewind a little bit to, to, so when you, you know, when you, so I've made all the work, I have all this ephemera and you're like, how are you going to put this stuff together? So yeah. the idea initially was to, um, you know, have a number of start. I mean, the book itself has like a number of pages. It almost has too many introductory pages at the start as a number of pages, which, you know, to have text on it and, we wanted to have a few intros and a few outros that we could steal from the book to almost have this intro, like this is this is not this is a book about books, I guess essentially. Yeah, it's a, there's a the meta journey. thing going on, isn't there, to a certain extent? Exactly. And this journey into this book is is through a filter of looking, you know, it's come from other books. Um, so, uh, but the information that we liked and the things you wanted to put in, which we're seeing from the books, they weren't relevant. So, for example, on page five, you have 72 pictures. This is from another book that they did. Uh, and it says the Brooks Press works with Derby. Now, it, these things are great, but it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And you kind of look at it, and if you want to take it at face value, or you're not, you know, hearing me talk about the, the work and you know the all this sort of story which sort of sits behind this, people look at it and go, "Well, there isn't seventy two pictures, you know." Or and this is the Brooks Press, but they're not in Wordsworth and they're not in Derby. So, yeah. um, I we start to figure out that this will it would be nice to use this stuff, but to use. To, but to strike through the information that wasn't relevant anymore because um, when I was going through the process of finding the ephemera, I, I kept finding all these things that my great-grandfather, so he would like write a letter, for example, and then send it out to somebody or they would have um, uh, the way that they would sell books would be on a sort of a subscription uh, model, which so you would, they would send out prospective titles they wanted to make if uh, you liked one of those, you received that prospectus, you liked the idea of one of those titles, you would then send in your money. Mm. And uh, the, what we, they would do is if they got enough money, they would then make that book. So it was right. like crowdfunding. Amazing. You know, a crowdfunding 100 years ago. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and, and so, uh, but what was funny was sometimes they would reuse, and I guess certain times there wasn't enough, um, I guess, paper in the place, there wasn't enough money to buy that. Um, so what they did was they would then um, use stuff they'd already printed and they would just cross through. They would just strike through the text. So they would say, for example, these books are going to be ready in May. They would strike through on May and they would print next <laughs> to it and then send the thing back out, which I thought was really nice. Because also, if you're looking at, um, I guess, um, you're looking at stuff which 
as it's done by you know it's, this is a lot of this stuff is you know it's hand types up my great grandfather 100 years ago but you, you're really removed from that you don't have any idea about who this guy is it's just words on a page but then when you see things like that like the strike twos it it starts to reveal some kind of personality and so that became something that could be useful throughout so for example then going back to that page you have 72 pictures but we just crossed through 72 yeah. So it just says pictures yeah. and the Brooks Press, which is also kind of weird. So you're sort of questioning what a lot of this stuff is about anyway. And I guess the idea with that is that each page has something loaded into it or the majority of the page has something loaded into it because yeah. I also wanted to make a book that didn't reveal itself straight away. It would be something you would have to look at, you know, half a dozen times, a dozen times, you know, a hundred times before you know, everything became apparent or even so, you know, understanding how photography works, there's going to be a lot of things that aren't ever going to be apparent, you know? So, but the idea was with the strike throughs, it was, it was a nice playful way to do it as well, which is also something you don't always necessarily see in, in a photo books. So. It's really, it really is. And it's, yeah, I usually, you know, I really get what you say. Um, you know, I've, I've been looking at this book now since, since September and it does, it opens up on every reading, opens up on every kind of flick, you know, the the nuances. It's kind of the space between the photographs, the space between the images, the space between, uh, you know, the, the, the archival bits of letterpress as well. There's something, yeah, I'm, I'm on page 67, Holidays in Derbyshire. And then the next page is this kind of um, bunch of flowers wrapped around a bit of a, a post dried flowers you know there's a there's a pathos to it yeah there's a memorial to it it's it's yeah it's kind of misleading there's lots of um kind of dead ends in it as well in 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 the in the physically i.e there's a whole load of photographs of dead ends and there's also narrative dead ends in in the in the way that you've um yeah in the way that you've edited the images together Mm. Yeah, and this and that uh, page sixty-seven, that holidays in Derbyshire, um, that was a re- that was one of those first things that I saw that I, I really connected to that idea of this, you know, the uh, the mistake or the, the you know the the printer's hand in the work. You, it, it's like a hand in the work. Like you kind of feel that there's there was somebody behind it as opposed to yeah. just being text. Because because with that plate they made holidays in Derbyshire. I mean, this is an advert for this book, which they did. Um, it was their sort of bread and butter thing, which was sort of like a travel guide called Hall- Holidays in Derbyshire, and it would have, you know, adverts by, you know, the, you know, Boots pharmacists or or whatever in there, or any sort of local company, local hotels, whatever. But it, I found like um, I found a, a version of that advert, but then what they'd done is in the when they they were obviously setting it out, typesetting it, and they'd spelt Derbyshire wrong, which seems like such oh my a god, they have to. Include. I haven't noticed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so that's Derbyshire, which is kind of weird. That's the title, but then also you you imagine that this stuff is being put together backwards, so yeah. you know mistakes must happen. Yeah, um, and and initially there was going to be that, and then I also found another page which is where they'd they'd annotated it by hand so my great-grandfather would have then drawn on that page and there's all this notes and stuff like that which would have almost been initially that was going to be that was just like okay this is his personality but it wasn't it's just him correcting something it shows to me it was more interesting and also the the whole idea was these things are supposed to trip you up slightly make you sort of question Mm. the the, you know, then you go to the next page and you see that image and maybe question these things a little bit more if there's a mistake in it. But also I like this idea with that one where maybe no one, because your brain recorrects that mistake anyway. I can see it now, but I couldn't before. Yeah, it's so exactly. funny. It's so it's funny. Some, some people, yeah, they see it straight away. Other people don't, which is, again is brilliant because for me that idea that, you know, something is hidden in there yeah. was... That just mimics exactly my experience of making the work in the first yeah. place. There was everything was hidden, and you kind of had to scratch a bit below the surface to to be able to find it. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, I think we're kind of just running out of time. We've got a limit on this Zoom thing, um, but okay. I think keeping it to around forty minutes is, um, I think, is a, is good. Um, I just wanted—I'll edit that bit out. Um, 
I just wanted to say thank you so much for chatting, Chris, and it's been really nice to get to know you over the last few months and to, um, yeah, experience your work. Can you give us, um, for people interested in finding out more info where they can get hold of, uh, of the book and find out more about the, the project online? Mm, well, um, the, there's a website for the press. I mean, the idea when I... When uh, when I decided to self-publish was to, was to was to then go on and publish other books. So the idea is is that this this has its own website. It's thebrookspress.com, and um, and there's information on there. Uh, also, there's the social. The idea of the, there's an Instagram for it, which the idea is is that occasionally information gets sort of put down there. Um, uh, and so that's a good place to go. Also, you can buy direct from the web from that website. Also, there's um, the the imagining that this is going to go on and do other things. There's there's another book in the pipeline, and I'm trying to do a book with a different photographer as well. Um, is that we have a uh, distribution, so it should be in most bookstores. So if you go into a bookstore, you can ask for the book, and they should be able to get that one quite easily. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe. They can be, they're available from you from Harlem. We've got some, yeah. Some We've got books. some online, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's always good too. Um, and um, but yeah, but the the what's the, the basically the, the I'm going to do a little revisit to this in terms of um, when I first launched the book. The idea was um, so for example, there's a special edition, and the special edition kind of. Um, when I first start selling that box, in fact, even when I sell the box, you go on the website, you don't really know, but um, there's, um, we built a secret compartment at the bottom of that box. So in the bottom of the box, when you, when you figure it out, if you figure it out, <laughs> you go in the box. <laughs> so the idea was that you can get away with doing that with a limited edition box, which is, you know, yeah. ultimately it's, it costs a lot more. It's a collector's. Uh, it's a collector's version and there's an addition to it, so not everyone's going to get that. But the idea was that after a sort of um, uh, after a sort of a year of this book, you know, designing this thing for about a year, we've designed it for about a year, found out all these other great things which are going to come out. So we started making posters, so pushing those out, and all these other things. So, but there's the the idea is is there's more there's more text and there's a few other things which are going to slowly sort of come out and then you can then reflect on those things and they give you more information for the book. So if you own the book, then these things kind of provide a bit more information to them. So the, the idea is just to keep an eye on that website. So I can't recommend Chris's book enough and it's available directly from the Brooks Press um, thebrookspress.com and from Harlem Artspace online store harlemartspace.co.uk to find out more about South Facer um, south-facer.com and south-facer.bandcamp.com to listen and buy tracks and there's quite a lot and they're all absolutely beautiful this is Trestino. <laughs>